You have reached the Geek Elite. Good luck. Hey, Mitch! And welcome back to another episode of Hey Mitch. I have with me Julio Oliveira from the Contrarians Podcast. Hello, how's it going? I guess I should say, Hey Mitch. It's going. It's going good over here. Uh, you're based out of Texas. Yes, Austin, Texas. The Contrarians Podcast is a movie podcast, and um, is that the only podcast you do? Uh, yes. Uh, I mean, not counting guest spots wherever they'll have me, but okay. yeah. Uh, we do it. Uh, we started as uh, twice a month, and now slowly we've morphed into three times a month, just because we always have like an extra episode that we want to do. So we'll just throw it in the uh, on the third week or fourth week of the month. Uh, but yeah, that's it. And it's like it's not for lack of ideas that we don't have more stuff. It's just that we don't have the time. <laughs> yeah, no, finding the time is always the the key component there. So why? What was it that when you started off this podcast was one I wanted to say that I listening to the uh, Street Fighter podcast that you guys did recently <laughs> was awesome. I love that movie. I was uh, recently about to um, interview uh, Peter Tiaposopo who played E Honda in that movie. Oh, because yeah, because he actually it lives in the my my hometown. So I was going to interview him, but uh, schedules ended up not um, working out right. So. Uh, we put a pin in it. I'm supposed to go back to it, but uh, I actually enjoy that movie a lot. So it was great to listen to you, you guys talk about that movie. What, uh, so that everybody else knows, what did you end up thinking about Street Fighter? <laughs> well, I, I was kind of in the middle. Uh, we had we had a couple of friends from a, uh, an Australian podcast, I guess, from We Watch a Thing, joined us for that. So there was kind of like a all across the board sample of opinions because uh, my co-host Alex he owns the movie on Blu-ray he loves it he can quote Van Damme's speeches it's <laughs> you know and he was a big fan of the game uh me I I love the game I I really liked the movie when I was a kid and now whenever I revisit it as an adult and especially this episode I could just see so many things that wouldn't work for me if I didn't have the nostalgic attachment that I do to the game and the movie for from having seen it as a kid. Uh, and then Billy and Topher, uh, Billy had never seen the movie, had never played the game, really had a blast watching it, even though he most of the game references flew over his head. Uh, right. And then Topher uh, hated the movie, didn't know the game, <laughs> <laughs> didn't care for anything. Uh, so, but to me, I, I think Billy's kind of the outlier. And I think that it's one of those movies where the more you're familiar with the game and the more you you have uh, external feelings associated with the property and the franchise, the more you're going to enjoy the movie. Because if you just took it as your standard uh, Jean-Claude Van Damme action movie, it's not that great. But but then you have all the other stuff that's sort of servicing the, the fans of the game. Um, and some of it is great. Some of it is just so silly that you can't help but laugh at it and, and enjoy it. But... Uh, it's definitely, if you told me to make a Street Fighter movie, that's not what would come to mind right away. <laughs> you mean the the Belgian actor as the all-American soldier <laughs> wouldn't be the first casting choice? But look, even that, I would be like, all right, I understand we need a star and Van Damme is available. Sure, rewrite it so that he's from Belgium. That's fine. <laughs> but the idea that it's not a fighting tournament in a game that was about a fighting tournament, that just, to me... Um, I said on the episode, when I watched it as a kid, I liked the movie, but I always felt that that was weird. And my assumption at the time was that I was in the wrong for having expected a movie about a fighting tournament. Uh, and then 
as an adult, I watch it and say, no, I was right <laughs> to expect that. <laughs> <laughs> the filmmakers were a little weird for choosing. I don't know, you know, they just made it. The story is a pretty generic action story. Uh, and and that's, I don't know, you know, the Mortal Kombat movie is more, resembles more what I would expect from a, a movie based on that kind of property, where it's really about the fights. Yeah. So so that one was titled a bonus episode on your, your podcast feed. So how many shows would you say you've done now? Because I think the last oh, one God. says 53, but with all the, the number, all the bonus episodes, I'm sure you're much higher. No, no. I mean, we've, uh, I don't really have the count. I know, you know, we're at that point where our first 30 episodes or so don't even show up on the iTunes feed. So, oh. uh, and I mean, we did our, our we celebrated our our numeric alex columns uh, calls them the numeric episodes like anything that's not bonus like we're at like 105 i think so we did our okay. big hundredth episode uh a while ago what we do is on the every 10 episodes we do what we call a gray area and we choose a movie that uh Ron tomatoes splits on so for the hundredth mm. we did watchmen which was a movie that we'd been like referencing every episode for a long time uh and uh so yeah we're probably at about 120 130 i would say uh it's just bonus really doesn't mean anything at this point. It just means that we want to uh, uh, that we want to skip the or want to change up the the, the structure because what we do is we do uh, our, we alternate rotten movies and fresh movies from Rotten Tomatoes and then uh, oh, okay. and like I said every every ten we'll do one that's kind of in the middle and then but if we just did a rotten movie and we kind of want to do another rotten movie because <laughs> you know it could be that uh, because it's thematic uh, you know we just recorded our. Uh, a WrestleMania bonus episode, which is rotten, but the last movie we'd done was rotten. We didn't want to squeeze a fresh one in. We just said, okay, well, let's just make it a bonus. Uh, same thing here. Uh, Billy and Topher were available, so we're like, oh, let's just finally get the Street Fighter episode out of the way. That's a bonus. Uh, it's, I guess, the simple way of looking at it is like, don't worry about it. <laughs> just <laughs> <laughs> We'll tell you what the Run Tomatoes uh, uh, ranking is at the very beginning of the episode, and we'll go from there. <laughs> okay, that's cool. So let's get the the secret origin of the Contrarians out there. Uh, how is it that you and Alex know each other, and how did you come across? How did you decide to start a podcast? Uh, so we work together. I I'm still working for a uh, for the same movie theater chain. We, we were both managers uh, years ago, and then Alex moved on to bigger and and arguably better things. While I got stuck at the theater. <laughs> Because it's just <laughs> it, it just fits me so well. But uh, while we were there, there was as you would expect from people that work at a movie theater, you just talk about movies a lot, talk about TV a lot, and you really gravitate towards people that have similar opinions or people that you can have interesting discussions with. So so we have that going, uh, and in a way, it just kind of become a, a, a an excuse to hang out after he left the theater. Uh, we talked about it while he still worked there, where I was like, you know what would be a good, uh, an interesting idea for a podcast? Uh, a podcast where you argue against popular movies and you argue for unpopular movies. You just take Run Tomatoes as the barometer and then argue against those scores. And uh, But you do it like very ridiculously, you know, uh, uh, just kind of making fun of... of uh, online critics that are just whose opinions are just so outrageous and just uh basically try to say poke fun at the idea that anybody would say uh, that anybody wouldn't see art as something subjective and uh and then once he left the theater that's when it really became kind of a, a more of a drive to get it done and and it was you know at first it was just I guess an excuse to hang out, watch a movie together, and then talk about it, but record ourselves talking about it. And then uh, uh, it slowly has become more of a... Uh, I mean, it's still the same thing. The, the basic, the main joy I get, get out of it is, of course, hanging out with Alex and watching movies with Alex. But also, uh, now that we know that they ha we have people that listen, uh, then it's just that extra dialogue that opens up. You know, whenever uh, somebody tells us that they really enjoyed an episode because we made them think about a positive thing from uh, about a movie that is supposed to be bad or a negative thing about a movie that's supposed to be revered that always you know I always get a kick out of that but yeah um, and also the more we talk about it I think uh, Alex would agree uh, we we mostly joke about everything on the show but it's expanded our our uh, I would say you know the way we watch movies 
we are not as uh, black and white anymore when it comes to our opinions. And I, I especially, I know I've, certainly the past couple of years at least, I've uh, tried really hard to really see things. If I don't like a movie, I can, I try to phrase it in, in my head as in, well, it's not necessarily a bad movie, it's just a movie that was not for me. Or it's a movie that didn't work for me, but I can try to understand why it would work for uh, somebody else. Because it's part of what we do on the show. You know, try to find the good stuff uh, right. in, in a movie, or the bad stuff in a, in a good movie. <laughs> <laughs> no, yeah, I mean, I think it's funny to... Because I've been oh, sorry, so I've been like criticizing, so to speak, movies for a very long time. Like I said, I used to work at the TV, the local TV station here, and my thing was I did a five-minute um, uh, movie critique every week and stuff like that. And more and more, you find people are like, "Oh, I never believe critics. You know, critics are never any good, or viewers are never any good." And it's just like you have to understand that people that do that, like that, watch movies and talk about them, watch all the movies they watch so many things that things in their mind they have to they literally has to change the way they look at movies and and i always i mean i always used to try and give them a little bit slack and now i give critics a lot more slack and you got to listen like you said you got to find those things that are that can give you a little bit of joy out of that a bad movie or figure out that yeah this movie wasn't for me kind of thing and why it wasn't for me yeah i think that the key is uh uh, I, I wouldn't have been able to articulate this, I think, maybe four years ago. But now, it's uh, you bring your own baggage when you watch a movie. Mm-hmm. And that is fine. The way that you experience a movie is, in, in a way, unique to you. And if you're a critic, it's not so much as you're saying, this movie is good or this movie is bad. It's, this movie is good because it spoke to me in this way. And you might relate to it. But if you don't relate to it because you have a different life experience than mine, that doesn't mean that the movie is bad. You know, I mean, there are some things that we can probably all agree on. Uh, if there's a performance that's just not working... You know, it's probably easier to just universally say, hey, that kind of sucked. But uh, <laughs> like we did uh, Adventureland uh, uh, a few months ago, and Alex loves that movie. And I'm just kind of meh on it, right? And Same. It, it, yeah, it, but but when he was telling me about it, and he explains why he loves that movie, I was like, I get it. You know, I just didn't live through things that you lived through that make you really connect to the Jesse Eisenberg character or the, the relationship between Jesse Eisenberg and Kristen Stewart. To me, I'm not rooting for them, so the movie doesn't work for me. But Alex, it, it resonated with him a lot harder, so he is 100%. Something we always say on the show is, when a movie has you, you just forgive it anything, you know. And when a movie doesn't have you, you just start nitpicking, and you just can't help yourself because <laughs> you're not involved, you're not hooked. So, uh, you know, Adventureland would be for him, and for me, you know, with the Avengers Endgame uh, for uh, as, as our ninety nine right before Watchmen, right. and that was the complete opposite. I am just a big superhero nerd. I love comic books. Uh, Big fan of the MCU from the very beginning. So to me, Avengers Endgame can't do no wrong. You know, I was just like everything that it did, it, it was it was made for me. It it hit everything that I wanted to hit. And Alex, on the other hand, he's watched a handful of uh, MCU movies. He kind of uh, the last week before we did the show, he just uh, kind of marathoned a few ones that I picked for him to be so that he would understand. And uh, so he didn't have that connection watching it. And he was like, I can appreciate the level of production and the the scope of what they did, but. It, it, you know, his experience compared to mine was so different. And it's not necessarily the movie's fault, you know, and it's not his fault. It doesn't have to be for him. So uh, it really, I, I think it, there's nothing wrong, I think, with saying this movie worked for me because of what I've lived through. And maybe 10 years from now, it might not work for me anymore. Or 10 years from now, something that doesn't work for me now might work. Uh, we were talking about Blue Velvet uh, very recently, and uh, it, we, we had a couple of people that uh, commented about how, you know, and it was very opposite. Our friend Jordan really didn't like it. Our friend Ben really liked it. And they're about 10 years apart in age. And I was like, that might have something to do with it. Uh, I know I didn't like Blue Velvet uh, anywhere near as much as I liked it this last time when I watched it, you know, and I was like in my 20s. So, uh, Interesting. Yeah, it, it's. I think that... There are so many gray areas, and the problem is that people, especially now, you know, people online, they they want to reduce it to black and white, and that's why part of why we picked Run Tomatoes is because Run Tomatoes gives you a number, and I know that the logistics behind the number that that 
Rotten Tomatoes is assigning are a little more complex than black and white. But when people read it, they think black and white. You know, they see 30% and they don't think, hey, 30% like this. They're thinking, oh, 30% means it's a bad movie. And it's there's there's a key difference in that. So um, right, yeah, I'm all about not just giving critics credit, but just giving the, I guess, movies credit in general. <laughs> <laughs> so for uh, the listeners that don't know, the the way your podcast works is you pick a movie that's either really high score or really low score. At least your your core episodes mm-hmm. where on Rotten Tomatoes, and if it's a high score. The first half of the show is pointing out the things that are not good about the movie, correct? Yes. Uh, and then if, it, if it's a really low score, the first half of the show is pointing out the things that are really good about the movie. Yes. Uh, I would say uh, with the caveat that we're trying to be as ridiculous as possible when we're doing it. I mean, even when we're making <laughs> points uh, that could be valid, that the idea, at least I always try to channel, like when I'm reading... Uh, a review or watching a review of somebody that's like really, really excited about something, uh, it and you listening or you reading don't really get it because it's so out of uh, your, uh, I guess, what, what you're familiar with. Uh, so we always try to be pretty silly, uh, which is <laughs> is really that was something that, that that we figured out really early on. I definitely felt it that if we were taking it too seriously, it wasn't fun anymore. You know, especially if I was trying to be negative about a, a, a movie that's well ranked, like I could like get in character and get really angry about it, but that's not fun. So I was like, no, we have to be silly. We have to just have fun with it. Uh, so in like that, in the, oh, go ahead. Oh, I'm sorry. Go ahead. Oh, I was gonna say, like in the duplex episode, you you constantly are going back to Drew Barrymore just like doing a really good job in this movie, any <laughs> better than she has any like like reason to for this bad movie <laughs> yeah yeah it's uh uh alex is really good at making uh he calls them complice olds where he will compliment <laughs> something in the movie but you can tell that he's really calling out something that doesn't work uh uh-huh. and uh and so we do a lot of that uh sometimes when we're doing a rotten movie that, that we're trying to treat as if it was great uh so yeah that's really the that's the performance part of the of the show, like the gimmicky part of the show. Uh, and, and then, I mean, I, I would, I wouldn't say that the second part when we get to real talk is my favorite part of the show, but it's definitely, uh, easier because it's just, uh, we're not performing anymore. We're just talking, uh, which right. is, it's, it's, a, it's what you naturally feel, what you actually feel and stuff like that. You're just talking about the movie. Yeah. It's, it's a lot more like, uh, like we used to do when we were at the theater where we're just talking about things. And sometimes we agree, sometimes we disagree. So let me ask you this: In the the times when you had to do a uh, universally recognized as a bad movie, and you had to come up with the good things, what 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 movie so far, if you can remember, was the hardest one for you to come up with like good things to say about the movie that was is is pretty much known as being bad? You know, we talked about this recently because you know we had our, our fifth year anniversary, and we we kind of like asked those questions. Uh, I'm trying to remember. I mean, we've had a, a few really bad ones. Um, very recently, we did Mute, the uh, Netflix movie from uh, Duncan Jones, and yeah, Alexander Skarsgård. Yes, I that movie. I just it, it was the two of us and our friend Dan from Netflix and Swill. He he came in and guessed it, and that was the three of us didn't like it. But of course, we had to do a solid, you know, 50 minutes or so of praising how good it is. And <laughs> and you can only praise the production design for so long. Like, at some point, you just run out of it. Uh, and the plot is so convoluted that even Alex usually does the recapping when we're doing the, the first half of the show. And you could tell. I mean, we were getting lost in the weeds just trying to figure out what was going on. <laughs> uh, so remember, that was that was rough. Uh, duplex was hard. I mean, you brought Duplex. <laughs> it, it's just in... With Duplex... Neither of us had seen it before, so we had no idea what to do. Because sometimes, if you've seen the movie before, you kind of have a good idea of what take you're going to go with as as you're watching and you start making your notes. Uh, but with Duplex, we both went in cold, and we both couldn't wait for the movie to end. And <laughs> that's one of those where you start recording, you're like, I don't know, I really hope that Alex has something good, because I'm just going to play off of whatever he has. Uh, those two come to mind. Uh, I'm trying to think if we've had like any high but see on the other hand there are some high profile movies that uh people love like american uh, american hustle is super high on the tomato meter uh it's 
generally well regarded by critics and both Alex and I just can't stand that movie and uh, yeah. neither can I oh see there you go there's there's a lot of us we're just not very vocal yeah. I guess <laughs> <laughs> and uh, doing that show it was just it was the opposite it was just like okay we need to keep it tight we can't just really you know destroy every scene every minute we have to just find a, a way of keeping it together so yeah, that was gonna that was gonna be my other one but What's uh, another movie that you found was really hard to talk negative about uh, when you came across it? Maybe not so much like American Hustle. You didn't like it, even though it has a high Rotten Tomato score. But maybe I don't. You know, what if you did uh, one of your favorite movies, your personal favorite movies, but you had to come up with like uh, bad things to say about it? You know, I I don't think I've had that problem. I know Alex has uh, when we did uh, Almost Famous, which he loves. It's like his top five favorite movies ever. I think uh, he he was having trouble. I couldn't tell, but when we were done with Contrarian's Corner, he he said like that was that was really hard. Uh, <laughs> I mean, we've done a couple of movies that I just absolutely adore. Uh, you know, you know, we did Avengers Endgame, and I had a blast making fun of the movie. Because I don't care, I still know it's good, you know. Right. Uh, but but it's very easy to just poke holes at the time travel and the the fan servicing, you know, without uh, really meaning it. Uh, we did Bullets Over Broadway, the Woody Allen uh, oh, wow. movie, a while ago, and uh, I mean, I hadn't seen it in a long time. I remember loving it, and uh, I was wondering if I was going to be able to to make fun of it. And yes, I could. <laughs> uh, so. I think Alex Alex has more of a more uh, issues with that. I think he gets more emotional maybe <laughs> with uh, with those movies. That's fair. So uh, talking about duplex, I was working at uh, well, I can say it now because there's none open. Blockbuster Video <laughs> when that came out. Isn't there and, one uh, that's still out? I you know what? I think there might be still one. It's like in Alaska or something like that. Uh, but. Yeah, I was working at Blockbuster Video when that came out, and I remember renting it, and at that time thinking this was a horrible movie, and uh, not thinking about that movie ever again until your episode <laughs> came up, and I was like, oh man, that I have to listen to what you guys have to say, and I I remembered right before you said it about the, um, uh, what's the the guy's name the firestein firestein oh harvey firestein yeah yeah harvey firestein uh, and him and the cop and the old lady like meeting up together at the end of the movie and very much usual suspects like (laughs) kevin spacey-esque ending but i to me and maybe i just remembered it wrong or i put that in my head because i knew about harvey firestein but i thought that the cop and harvey firestein's character were a couple in the in the movie at the very end (laughs) You know, I... But like I said, I haven't seen it since then, so maybe I'm just remembering it wrong. To be 100% honest, and I, I feel pretty comfortable speaking for Alex in this one, we were so checked out by the time we got to the end of that movie <laughs> that it could be... I mean, I know how it's shot. I know they're having breakfast. They're sitting together, and you know the old lady is kind of getting stuff ready in the kitchen. So... Uh, Maybe there's some body language there that could maybe make you think that they're a couple. I honestly, I was just done. And I know Alex yeah. was too. So if there was, they were being way too subtle for us at that point, if they wanted to to say something about, about same-sex relationships or whatever. I was going to say, for a movie that, that was like that, where they use the, I believe one of the lines I remember from that movie is that when Ben Stiller is talking about Justin Thoreau's book, he talks about the. He uses the line. Um, his pee was yellow, like the way. Or no, the yellow. It was so yellow it was the same color as your pee after using a multivitamin. I don't think subtlety was a part of that movie. So I'm probably remembering it wrong, and you're probably right. You're remembering. I mean, it's impressive that you're remembering it at all. It sounds like you've seen it. I've seen it more recently than you do, and you know, I wouldn't remember that that line. And I think you got it pretty close. <laughs> uh, another one that came out right around that time with Ben Stiller was Envy with Jack Black. I've seen and that I one. Always, okay, I was like, they, they came out at the same time, and I always remember like thinking both of these movies were so bad, <laughs> and I couldn't believe that it was Ben Stiller. But uh, I, I used to get them mixed up, uh, and you know, I would say, oh yeah, Duplex is the one that I haven't seen. Uh, Envy, I saw it once at theaters. I, I remember. I don't know who else. I know Jack Black and Ben Stiller, and then I don't remember who's Ben Stiller's wife in the movie. Yeah, uh, I can't remember that either. But it's just basically they Jack Black invents some sort of spray that that makes 
that poop makes poop disappear. But then <laughs> the big thing at the end of the movie is that the poop wasn't like disappearing. It was just being teleported somewhere else. Right? And and then... I don't know if it was being teleported. I think something about it getting mixed in with chemicals and then a tree, an apple tree and then a horse eats an apple off the tree and then it uh, the horse dies because of a whole bunch of things that came together <laughs> and they're like, oh, now we're going to have lawsuits. But I don't remember exactly what it was. Uh, Mitch, I, I see through you. I thought you were trying to get me to rewatch Envy, but that's not going to happen. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just going to take your word for it that, that that's it. I mean, that I'm really... I don't know. I might just hit up your Twitter every day and keep <laughs> making sure that you guys do. Just keep, you do keep throwing these really weird envy related plots. It's like, hey, remember when Jack Black got superpowers? Yeah. I'm like, okay, I guess we're watching it. Uh, okay, so when you are going back to watch these movies to then talk about them, are you kind of you kind of hit on it earlier? But do you take extensive notes, like because? You guys do hit pretty. You you dive pretty deep into these movies when you're when you're talking about them, and your recall is pretty great. Like I know when I go back to talk about a movie, I'm like, oh yeah, and this part, and then this, and then. But you guys have a pretty good recall. So do you take extensive notes? Uh, yes, but uh, but we we it's advantage is somehow we never really planned it this way, but it kind of worked out that uh, basically Alex does the Alex recaps the movie, and I chime in with with comments or, or jokes mm. as it goes so when i'm when i'm writing my notes i'm just looking for jokes that i can make about the plot and i think that alex's notes are more plot oriented just for him to to remind himself of what happened uh in the movie and uh i think that obviously this varies depending on how familiar we were with the movie we've done movies where alex doesn't even need to write anything we did the texas chainsaw massacre a few months ago and he was like i can quote this entire movie i don't need to take notes <laughs> and uh and then likewise you know by the time that we did endgame i'd seen the movie like five or six times already so it's like it's just more of writing things that i want to make sure i don't miss whenever we're talking about it uh and uh but then the other thing is i've noticed at least uh, that the longer we've done it, the less I look at my notes. It's as if the me writing it down while we're watching the movie just is enough for me to like remember it when it when it comes up later. Uh, every now and then, I mean, I always have while we're recording. I have my notebook next to me, just open, so I can glance. If I if we hit a point where Alex has been talking and I have nothing to say, I look at my notes. And it's like, did I really have nothing to say? And then something will jump at me. But uh, but yeah, big note takers. Um, it doesn't mean that everything I write makes it into the show. Uh, and sometimes it does make it into a recording, but then it gets cut out. <laughs> you know, it's because it's I, something else that I've learned is that I, I judge how well something works uh, going by Alex's reaction. So if I say something and it doesn't really get a big reaction from Alex, it means that I can probably cut it uh, in, uh, when I'm editing. And... Uh, so there'll be jokes that sound really funny in my head. And then when I say them, it's either it, the delivery wasn't right or Alex just doesn't get it. And I was like, ah, <laughs> doesn't work then. <laughs> That's good. Okay. So then when you are, is, is there any one particular part of a movie that you love to focus on more? Like me, I tend to always focus on characters, characters, dialogue, plot kind of thing. Is Do you tend to go more towards plot or towards technical stuff like you know uh filming or lighting or or staging and stuff like that uh, no i'm i'm like you i'm very uh plot oriented character oriented it's kind of the way the way that i'm wired i'm, I'm you're a writer right I, yeah it, so i think that that might have something to do with it uh i i i have friends i mean i i talked to i mentioned billy and tofer earlier that we did the street fighter episode with and they're both uh one is a cameraman the other one is a uh, an animator so they're very visual i think and when you can when you listen to their podcast you can tell that they really are drawn to the visual aspect of the movie a lot more than i am that's not to say i can't appreciate good photography but uh or you know special effects production design all that stuff but usually what i start with is plot it's also a lot easier to make fun of uh, or, or, or maybe there's more uh, there's more to to exploit when you're making fun of a story or a, a character arc that doesn't make any sense. Uh, mm -hmm. You know, it's like we've made fun of, of how things look or, or, you know, the score or something, but it's, it's nowhere near as, as prevalent on our show as what is this story? You know, why does it make mm -hmm. sense? Why doesn't it make sense? Um, 
certainly why does a character uh, do this at this point? Why don't they do it later? That kind of stuff, I at least, I always find myself uh, starting there. And then if something else really grabs my attention, then I'll, I'll call it out. Uh, I want to say Alex has a pretty good uh, ear for uh, just soundtracks and scores in general. So he will always say something that draws my attention to it. But uh, as far as I go, it's definitely plot, characters, um, dialogue when it's super memorable or super bad. <laughs> okay, so before starting up a podcast, did you have any type of experience in movie critiquing or you know did you take uh, any film classes or anything like that uh yeah i'm a, I'm a film major i mean whew, that was a long long time ago that was uh <laughs> but i so i did three years of film school back when i lived in peru and uh and you know throughout the years i've kind of tried to kept in uh you know, not completely lose my filmmaking skills, so to speak. You know, I'm still, I still write a lot. Uh, I've done a few short films. I did a web show at one point. And uh, so that definitely informs how I, I appreciate movies and TV. And uh, at one point, back in the MySpace days, I had a blog where I would <laughs> just kind of try to do some sort of like criticism of stuff that I was watching. Uh, be, be careful, Julio. You're dating ourselves with, uh, with the whole MySpace. It's... <laughs> It's inevitable at this point. <laughs> I, you know, this because we're we're quarantined. So I've found yep. that I've just I, I'm fine with the quarantine. I'm not going like insane, but I I have noticed that there's some things that I'm doing now that I didn't do before, and one of those was uh, I, you know, those uh kind of like chain Facebook status where like tag three friends and answer all these questions, and yep. I did one of those yesterday, and I was like I haven't done this in a long time, and a friend was like yes, yeah, since the MySpace days, and I was like yep. That's true. You That's know, about right. Yep. Yeah. So so yeah, I did that. I had a blog, uh, and then um, I I work with the uh, Austin Film Festival here uh, in Austin. Uh, I do uh, screenplay coverage, so I have to you know I'll read a script and I just kind of like break it down and provide notes to uh, uh, to the person that wrote it. Uh, so. It helps me. Obviously, it's that's a lot more serious than what we do in the show. Because <laughs> in the show, the main goal is to make it funny, and and everything mm-hmm. else is kind of like underneath. But uh, it definitely uh, th- that's part of it. And the other thing is, you know, I watch a lot of movies. I watch a lot of TV. I think at at one point, it's uh, ha- watching so much material definitely informs how you feel about everything else and and expands your horizons. And then the other part of it is just learning how to explain what you're feeling and why you're feeling a certain way. Yeah, so what was your web show about? If I, if you don't mind me asking. Uh, I, I don't. It, it's uh, it, I, I've told the story before. It's been so long, too. I, uh, it was... So when we first moved to Austin, I moved here with, with two friends that are also into filmmaking, and uh, so we're roommates. We're living together, and we're looking for something that we could do just at the apartment, just kind of to... Not to get rusty, and uh, so it was this this show about. Uh, so it's called the New Adventures of Baby Jesus, and the idea was that <laughs> yes. Jesus would return, and uh, he would show up in the apartment of uh, the reincarnation of Peter, and Peter doesn't know, you know, he just thinks he's a normal guy, but Jesus shows up, and he's like, "No, you're Peter. You're you're my Peter," and he moves in with him and then it's just kind of you know jesus kind of trying to adjust to modern life and kind of telling peter that they have to get ready for for when it's time for him to make his official big return and it was just it was a sitcom you know it was like five minute episodes and they would do silly stuff uh one of my roommates was playing peter we got this guy to play jesus and we wrote it we did like 22 episodes i think uh and it was you know, at the time, because that was 2009, I want to say. So, I we had the misconception. I had the misconception that really, I was like, we just need to be funny. And this is just going to catch on fire. Because, you know, we have friends. Those friends are going to tell their friends. And it's going to be great. And then people that we don't even know are going to see it. And they're like, oh, this is so original. It's so funny. You guys are great. Uh, well, to begin with... 
and even in 2009, there were web shows. I mean, I I love the show. I, I love what we did and everything. But when you look at it, you can tell that our priority was not to look great. You know, our priority was just like, hey, let's deliver the lines. Let's be funny. And that's it. Uh, there were shows, web shows, uh, that looked a lot more professional. So we're already kind of like behind the curve. Uh, the other thing, for some reason, none of us realized that... Uh, not everybody was going to be okay with us kind of being funny about religion. So right. even we had friends that were uh, that liked the show, but they're like, I'm not going to share that because, you know, Aww. my mom, my grandma, whoever is going to just think that this is, uh, you know, offensive. Yeah, and the thing yeah. is, if you watch the show, it was pretty, it, it was pretty tame. Jesus was, yeah. you know, the butt of the joke was Peter, who was the guy that didn't really believe. And Jesus was always like, a, he was a little silly, but he was, he had a good heart. There was nothing offensive about it. Uh, but... <laughs> Uh, it was fun. It was a fun experience. It was, you know, the stuff I learned just doing the show because we we're doing it just on our own. Um, you know, we uh, I was editing it. Uh, we had uh, a couple of friends helping us with the lights and the camera and uh, the people we met making the show, you know, coming in and playing small characters. It was just so much fun. And it was just uh, kind of like a, a second film school of how just to do something on a shoestring budget and just get yep. it done because I was trying really hard to not fall behind on schedule. So it was like, the episode needs to be done by Sunday. It needs to be done by Sunday. And uh, halfway through, uh, my friend that played Peter had to move out of Austin, move back to College oh. Station. I know. And we're like, do we recast Peter? Do we, you know, how do we, we, we shot this... Uh, thing that we never end up using where uh peter it was like a sequence where at the end of it peter looked different you know so it was like my friend that played peter would start and then something happened i don't remember what the gimmick was but then we cut to him and he was played by a different actor and that was the guy that we we're gonna <laughs> like go with forward um ended up not doing it because he figured it out he, he figured out how to keep coming to austin for for the rest oh, okay. of the show but uh it was it was quite the experience it was i i love it i just at one point, you just kind of have to take, you know, look at it and be like, all right, it's not working out. You know, it's like, yes, we could keep doing it, but we're, even though we're all working for peanuts, we're still putting it a lot of time and money on it. And if it was going to happen, if it, this show was going to catch on, it would have caught on by now. So let's just move on to other things. And uh, so we did, you know, our little like season finale, series finale thing, and then, and then just moved on. And for a while, uh, some of my friends, like the guy I played Peter, my friend Corey, you know, he was like, you know, we can do at least like a one shot thing where we like bring everybody back together. <laughs> I was like, one, I I don't think that we can get everybody back together. It's just, you know, everybody has moved forward. Uh, and then the other thing, it was, I don't know, it's the older I get, the more I appreciate whatever time I have to do things and I was like do I really want to sink another like I don't know six months to do something that maybe I don't know 20 people are really gonna enjoy <laughs> you know or I, I I wish I had the time and the money to just be able to do that kind of stuff but I, I can't but still you know it's still there on YouTube anybody can like search the new adventures baby Jesus and binge all 22 episodes in like I don't know three hours and there you go and then they I'm can, doing it yeah they just contact me and be like hey I'm glad you stopped at 22 man because <laughs> that was played out after episode five actually what I was gonna say is like you know Quibi is a new thing they they want like five minute episodes of things I think I think it's time to go sell it to Quibi it's it was still probably the hardest thing uh, as as the show went on it kept hard. It kept getting harder and harder to stick to the five minute thing. Uh, the season goes on and episodes become it start crawling into like seven minutes, eight minutes, um, and that's that's on me. I I think that as a writer, I always have trouble keeping it short. Uh, that's my main thing. I always my my first drafts are so over, and then it's just a matter of cutting <laughs> and. Uh, and I and I learned there that it translates all the way through production and editing. It just don't. Uh, I can't tell a story as succinctly as other filmmakers. You know, I love Woody Allen. I mentioned him earlier. And it's like, his movies are like 90 minutes. And I was like, that's yeah. awesome. It's like, how the and, and, <laughs> and if you believe what he says in interviews, it's like, he does one draft, two drafts, and then he's done. It's like, all right, well, that's not how it works for me. I my first, No, that doesn't how it works for me. <laughs> no, my first draft is just like, I'm embarrassed to even look at it myself. I, I have to do like three or four passes before I can send it to anybody, you know, so they can read something that's not massive. You know, uh, so yeah, I, I, I've heard about, uh, is it Quibi, Quibbly? I, I've seen it shows up on ads on, uh, on my apps and I was like, yeah, 
I mean, it, it's coming to a point. It's been so long since I've shot anything that, uh, and we're at the point where you know our cell phones can be cameras that look. What I can do with my cell phone right now looks so much better than what we did in with the new adventures, baby Jesus. You know, ten years ago. So yeah, uh, yeah, I could probably do something. I just. I've been trying to get a lot more serious about my screenwriting as far as uh, uh, productivity. And mm-hmm. I just see myself going down the rabbit hole of, of little short videos for uh, instant gratification uh, when I really, what I think I should be doing right now is like really focusing on trying to knock out like, I don't know, two features a year. You know, if I can write mm-hmm. like two feature screenplays a year, I'm like, I'm in good shape. Never been able to do that so far because I, I, <laughs> I get distracted. I have other stuff going on. I started a podcast. You know? Yep, yep. <laughs> I know all that one. So uh, being a filmmaker and into filmmaking stuff and living in the city of Austin, Texas, how many times have you run into Richard Linklater? Um, you know, I don't think it's actually happened. I'm trying to think. Really? I, you know, I go to the Austin Film Festival every year since I moved here, okay. uh, which is where I, I don't go to South by Southwest. I've, I went once. Uh, it's nothing against the the against South by. It's just that I kind of have to decide if I go to South by or or if I go to uh, to the AFF as far as the amount of time I'm gonna take off work and the amount of money I'm gonna put in it. And uh, I just find the AFF kind of lines up with my my sensibilities more. But but definitely South by and uh, uh, and AFF is where you would you're more likely to run into a filmmaker. Uh, I haven't. I'm pretty sure I haven't seen Link later. I mean, I've seen uh, Robert Rodriguez a few times. Yep. Uh, that was the other one I was going to ask. <laughs> yeah, 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 him. I, I, I have a picture uh, of the guy that used to play Jesus on my show. He's kind of like photobombing Robert Rodriguez. <laughs> Robert Rodriguez does not look amused at all. <laughs> it was like some sort of barbecue, or like it was like the opening party. I don't know, and. I, I, you could tell he was not in the mood to play around with with fanboys, and we were there. Hey, picture! Uh, I'm, I'm trying to think. I mean, obviously, the amount of people that come through Austin are, you know, it's so many people. Uh, Rob Thomas, you know, he is he's he used to live in Austin. I don't know if he's living in Austin right now, but for a while when he was doing, uh, what was he doing before he did? Oh, I Zombie, I think right before I Zombie started, you know, he was going back and forth between L.A. and and Austin. Uh, yeah, there, there's. I'm trying to think of my my biggest like uh, celebrity scene sighting. Yeah, like my my big like geek out. You know, I mean, when they when Vince Gilligan was here, uh, I think it was the the year that Breaking Bad ended. He came by. He he did special screening of the the first episode and the last episode of the show. Uh, I went up to him at some point. And I was like, hey, I have a picture with him because I was just geeking out. It's one of the things where like as a filmmaker, you know, you're supposed to be very. Uh, uh, you know, professional. You don't go on like, mm-hmm. hey, can I take a picture? Can I get your autograph? You're like, hey man, I really right. like what you I really like what you did. You inspire my work and whatever. But with some people I just couldn't help myself. And I was like, <laughs> I'm such a big fan, can I have a picture because you just changed my life? And so I know I've I, that happened with Vince Gilligan. Uh that happened with uh uh the peoples, the guy that the guys that uh, it's the couple that wrote uh, Unforgiven and Twelve Monkeys. Uh they're like an older couple, and oh, I didn't know that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, it's David and I remember the name of 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 the wife, but they're they're much older than you would think. From you know, cause you think uh, twelve from monkeys. Yeah, you're like, oh, that's like hardcore sci-fi, and uh, they were really sweet. There was a special screening of uh, twelve monkeys, and they were here. There was a Q and A, and then after, I I was like, can I have a picture because I love your movie. <laughs> That's why I, I've always said I, I would not be able to make it in Hollywood, even though that's what I want to do, because I would always geek out about or fanboy out about every person I met. I'd be like, oh, my God, I can't believe it. This, you're the person I know from this kind of thing. Like if because Days and Confused is one of my favorite movies of all time. So <laughs> if I were to ever meet Richard Linklater, I would just freak out and he'd be like, OK, I can't be around this guy. Anymore. <laughs> yeah, that's that's the thing. I, I don't know. I It's it's such a uh, weird thin line to walk because, you know, you're surrounded by people whose work you respect when you when you go to one of these things. And uh, and you want to, uh, uh, you know, you don't want to make it uncomfortable, obviously. Uh, at the same time, I always feel a little fake if I'm not acknowledging how much they mean to me. So right. I'm like, it's I it, to modulate that and, and just try to get it right when you say hi to them. Uh, it's a lot easier <laughs> when they're when they're younger. Uh, the guys that wrote uh, 500 Days of Summer, I'm trying to remember oh, what yeah, else. Yeah. But you know, there was, was 
I remember. I was going to say, that's directed by Mark Webb, right? Yes. Or, but the, okay. the writers, they've done other things and, and they're really funny. And uh, I was in line, I, I think it was like the barbecue they were doing, uh, if ever something, but it was like I was in line behind them and I was just talking to them. And it's not that I don't think that their work is, is great. It's just that they, I was not just awestruck because they were, these were right. guys that were, you know, my age and they were just. They were fine. There were guys in a line <laughs> waiting to get barbecue. <laughs> and so, uh, yeah, I mean, that's something that I've, I've, I've always have to, I mean, it's been just a little over 10 years that I've lived here in Austin. So it's, uh, uh, I wouldn't say that I've gotten used to it. It's just more like I've learned to accept it. I was like, ah, oh, yeah, sometimes I just get starstruck and I just have to go with it. And, you, you know, it's like, what are the odds that I'm ever going to be in a position where I'm going to regret telling Vince Gilligan, how awesome he is. <laughs> I don't think so, you know, but uh, if it's somebody that's more like my contemporary, I was like, yeah, I don't really want to come across as a case I ask because we might work together right. later and that's going to yeah. be really awkward. Yeah. So you, you talked about it a little bit, but you know, what brought you to Austin from Peru? Uh, well, my first stop was college station. Uh, and, and that was a girl. <laughs> so, okay. Uh, well, it was it was college station specifically because that's where my girlfriend lived uh, at the time, and uh, but then the United States in general just because after I finished film school in Peru, uh, especially back then, there wasn't much of a of a film industry in Peru. It was more TV. So you graduated your you graduated film school and then you kind of went to work uh, on TV, which is fine, but that's not what I wanted to do. Uh, also, the kind of stuff that I was interested in doing, uh, the things I was writing, which were more like genre pieces or just comedy that didn't quite fit the comedic sensibilities of Peruvian audiences, that kind of stuff. You know, I was never going to get the stuff that I wanted to do. I wasn't going to get it made in, in Peru. Not that I've really gotten it made here in the States, but the difference was that here, at least you had, you know, film festivals, you had uh, you had a chance. Whereas in Peru, it was like, no, you just go to TV or if you're one of the three or four filmmakers that were making movies at the time, you know, maybe, you know, you made a movie then, but, uh, that was like basically an older generation that was making movies. And then everybody that was a graduate was doing TV stuff. Um, and that's fine. I mean, I, I have, uh, classmates from back then that they made the choice of staying in Peru or just basically dedicating themselves to trying to make that, that industry grow, which is, obviously great there needs to be people like that uh i'm not one of them <laughs> i was just like no i want to do what i want to do and i want to do it now so uh i knew i wanted to come to the states uh and and then it just ended up being that it was college station because i met a girl and we started dating and she lived in college station uh and it was like well you can write anywhere it can be college station it can be miami it can be new york uh so then i moved to Austin because Austin is really a lot more, I mean, College Station is, is a small town. It has a lot going for it, but but it's not necessarily like a hub of, of culture as far as the arts. Uh, they have some stuff, but it's still, it's no Austin. So, and it's only two hours from Austin. So, uh, once, uh, once that relationship was over and I was single, I was like, okay, I can do whatever I want with my life. I guess I'm going to Austin. <laughs> <And> <laughs> so, I packed up with my two friends and we came here and it's, uh, it's funny because, uh, you know, like I said, it's been 10 years, pretty much. It, it, when I came to Austin, my idea was like, all right, I, I'm i single. I have I don't have kids. I don't have any obligations. You know, all I have is some credit card debt. I'm just going to make stuff, you know, hence the production of the, the web show. Um, <laughs> and and that's just going to that's just going to be it. I'm just going to make stuff until somebody notices it and they're like hey we're gonna pay you to make stuff and then you know a career will 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 happen because that's what people are doing in austin and it's like ah, well not quite i mean a lot of people in austin are producing but nobody's really making a living out of it um it, it, that was that was the thing uh once i've been here for a couple of years i kind of picked up on how angry some of the the filmmakers around here were because they're like yeah you know we're just it, they said everybody wants to make movies in Austin, but nobody wants to pay anybody to make them. Right. <laughs> um, I think it's gotten better uh, now. And certainly my lack of production in the last, I don't know, five years has very little to do with me not finding financing and more with me just not writing enough. You know, like I was saying earlier, I think that uh, uh, 
if I had like a lot of the things I've written are things that are not producible. And if I really wanted, I should like sit my ass and write something that could get produced, you know, with a a sensible budget. <laughs> but I was like, no, first I want to write a superhero movie and next I want to write go. like a horror movie. Like, but which makes sense, you know, because you kind of have to hone your craft and get all that stuff out of the way. Um, so I wouldn't say that what I've written before is uh, was a waste of time, but it's certainly not what I what I should be writing now, at least, you know? And so um, I've definitely, over the past few years, haven't been as aggressive as I as other people have been. Uh, and that's certainly something I'm trying to change. But, uh, but yeah, being in Austin is definitely, uh, it's good, especially if you're a writer, not just because of the, the, the writer's conference, but just uh, you're surrounded by people that are like-minded, and that really makes makes all the difference. I mean, we're talking about stuff that we geek out about. And to me, uh, breaking down a story, figuring out what works, what doesn't work, and why, that's that's like a drug, right? And uh, and here, the, the best thing to come out of my move to Austin is just how many people I've suddenly met and uh, the people that I've, I don't want to say networked with because they're actual friends, but, you know, this this kind of network of, of readers and writers that, I, that I'm part of that... Uh, that I can just break a story with, that we can talk about story with. And so that's, uh, I don't think that I knew it at the time. You know, that's not why I moved to Austin, but that's only why I'm still in Austin. <laughs> <laughs> All right. That, that, I mean, that's pretty awesome. So uh, what was it, what would it be that would be the next thing you'd want to do with uh, the podcasting? Uh, so uh, it's funny I you know because I we did our 100th episode was in January and I was this is such small potatoes after talking about you know movie making and everything but uh, <laughs> with Alex and I were like you know we had been kind of floating around the idea of doing a Patreon just because we wanted a little more flexibility uh, in the way that we interact with our with our listeners and so the idea of like oh well let's just do a Patreon so that one we can uh some of the stuff that we cut out of the show because of uh, time restraints, because we don't want the episodes to run too long. So we have somewhere to like put it there. And also so that we can give patrons a chance of maybe picking the movies that we do. You know, it's like if we're doing three movies a month, then maybe the third movie can always be a patron pick. You know, uh, there are a couple of uh, special episodes that we've done uh, throughout the years that had very little to do with Run Tomatoes. We, uh, we did... Uh, like the most recent was when we did an episode about the the five weirdest movies that we own each because we both have a big <laughs> physical media collection, and it was just us talking about, uh, you know, yeah, I own this movie and this is the story of how it came up, you know, how I ended up uh, owning it, and you know, it's funny. Yeah, um, uh, we did an episode about like our favorite endings, our least favorite endings. Uh, so that's stuff that you know, it's like that's cool, but it always feels like uh, I feel like it belongs in a more of like on a patron kind of thing and just so that we can keep the the actual show the feed of the show just focus on the run tomato stuff so um that was kind of like one of the things that we were talking about uh of course in uh <laughs> the current uh, health crisis happened i was like yeah that's not the right time to open yeah open. <laughs> you know i don't want to ask anybody for money right now <laughs> just, uh i have a I'm, I'm a big comic book fan uh and uh, my friend Jordan, who's been on this show a couple times, him and I were, have talked about doing something. Uh, he moved out of... We, we used to work together. Similar as what happened with Alex. We talk about movies and just uh, media in general a lot. And he moved to Chicago uh, last year. And and now, you know, we're still in touch. But we're like, we should do something. We've been talking about doing something together. And we're like, well, at this point, the easiest thing is probably to do a podcast. And if we ever get around to it... Uh, we were talking about uh, doing a, a show about the Spider-Man clone saga. You, mm. you must be familiar. I think, yeah, most Very. people our age <laughs> that read comics. Kind of <laughs> uh, well, I mean, have you seen the big omnibus editions that they have of uh, like the hardback collections of the... I So I bought yeah. the first two. Uh, I, I'm going to buy the third one as I finish reading the second one. And then the fourth one, I think, comes out later this year. And I think that's the last one. And after that, it's like you have it beginning to end. And they're massive. They're like uh, phone books from back when phone books were a thing. (laughs) And uh, I was – Jordan has no idea. He's much younger than me. He has has no idea about 
what the clone saga is, who Ben Riley is, who the Scarlet Spider is. He doesn't know anything. And I was like, all right, <laughs> well, do not Google it. Don't do anything. What we're going to do is when we finally do this podcast, we're going to uh, we're going to read it. You know, we'll do like one story arc at a time. We'll discuss it. You'll be coming into it completely fresh, not knowing what happened. And I'll be coming in, revisiting it uh, and seeing how it's changed from when I first read it. And there's some things because that thing, that story spans so many like uh, spinoffs and whatever that I I, ha- I haven't even read all of the stuff that's collected. So uh, that is something that's kind of like a back of my mind. I God knows I shouldn't be starting like another podcast. Or anything. <laughs> like I said at the very beginning, it's like, who has the time? But uh I also know that I can make the time and it would be uh, it's walking that line of what do I do to like keep me inspired and what mm-hmm. do I do that's distracting me too much from writing what what I really need to be doing so mm-hmm. if I can make it to where uh uh I can have a, a Spider-Man podcast with Jordan where he's doing a lot of the heavy lifting and I'm just coming in and recording <laughs> then uh, maybe that'll work there you uh, go or even if you know, I just, I just, I think I've gotten a lot better at just editing, and it sounds like you'd be a, a, a an easier show to produce too, because I don't have to put on a show the way that we do with with the Contrarians, right. where you know the first half just requires so much thinking and so much, you know, uh, just performance, and this would be yeah. the complete opposite. I was telling him, you know, really shorter episodes. No matter what we do with Alex, it always ends up going at least an hour and a half, and <laughs> that's great. And I love that people are fine with it but i i look at the the shows that i listen to and they're all like about an hour right mm-hmm. and i was like yeah we're never hitting that not with the contrarians <laughs> <laughs> well show. you gotta take into account you're watching a two-hour movie and then talking about it for an hour and a half it's like okay that's a lot of time that you know take it out uh, yeah, yeah and then you have to edit all that stuff so you know it just oh, it, yeah. it compounds the yeah. the amount of time that you're putting into it but yeah podcasting wise that's probably it i mean i don't know when it will happen, uh, especially now that things are so crazy. But uh, but that's if I ever do like a second podcast, that's what it would be. I mean, that's that's the talks that have been happening. <laughs> uh, so you, you you obviously like superhero movies, and uh, it sounds like you you really were into Breaking Bad. So when it's not for the subject of the contrarians or anything what is it you like to watch what is it what are the movies and tv shows that you're into uh i mean i watch i try to watch everything that comes out obviously that's impossible but uh if it's playing so i i work for cinemark and uh which means i get to watch the movies for free as long as they're playing at a cinemark so if it's playing at a cinemark and and there's one that's it's not the one i work at but i have one that's like less than 10 minutes away from where i live so if it's playing there more than likely, I'll 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 make an effort to watch it, uh, you know, because That's I don't have to awesome. pay for it. Yeah, um, there's some things. I'm not much of a horror guy, so most horror movies I'll give a pass. Uh, but but you know, any big releases usually I'll I'll get to catch them. Uh, big MCU person, of course. Uh, but yeah, really, any any the podcasting thing also because I've met so many other podcasters and I listen to their shows. And then it's also a matter of uh, if I know that they're going to be talking about a specific movie, then I make an extra effort to watch it. Uh, so there's some things that maybe I wouldn't have even run to watch, but because I know all my friends are going to be talking about them, I want to be part of the conversation. So I'll watch right. it. Like The Invisible Man, you know, I probably could have waited on that one. Uh, I mean, I like the upgrade. I love Elizabeth Moss. But I was not in a hurry to just watch the Invisible Man story again. But because I knew everybody was going to be talking about it, I was like, I don't want to, you know, wait until who knows when to be part of the conversation. And so I went and watched it, had a good time. Uh, uh, TV-wise, it's a lot harder because there's so much more stuff. And I, I can tell you all the things that I'm not watching, but I want to. Like, I haven't gotten to The Mandalorian yet. Uh, oh, wow. I know, I know. And we've had Disney Plus since, like, it came out. And yeah. uh, it's just... <laughs> I, I just, you know, I always feel like, no, when I watch it, I'm going to watch it, you know, beginning to end, because I heard it's like 20-minute episodes, so I can just binge that, but I have to take care of all the other stuff, all the other stuff. Like, I finally got, I finally started uh, Stranger Things, just a couple of weeks ago, like season one. Like, oh, wow. Okay. I know, I know. I, I When it first came out, when Stranger Things first came out, I was uh, misinformed, and they told me that it was like really short episodes. They're like, oh, they're not even 30 minutes. I was like, all right, I can do this. So I started it, and then I saw, I was like, no, this is like almost an hour. I was like, I can't do this right now. And then I I put it off, 
And it's one of the things I'm sure it's happened to you where you just fall so far behind on the curve. Oh, yeah. You're like, why am I even bothering? And <laughs> you know, it was like, I'm just gonna wait till it's over. Uh, I haven't quite gotten to that with uh, with uh, Stranger Things, but I. I'm trying to remember what I, there's a friend that I've just been telling him that I was going to start it. And it finally felt like I had an opening. I was like, if I don't start it now, it might be another two years. Uh, I'm a big fan of HBO shows. Uh, my two favorite shows ever are uh, Six Feet Under and The Leftovers. And oh, I love Six Feet Under. Six Feet Under is so good. Uh, I did not watch it as as it aired. I think right. I caught like uh, one episode of season four as it aired. The the one where. Um, um, Oh my god, uh, not Nate. It's Nate and uh, his brother Peter Krause. Or no, I don't know what his what, the character's name is, but well, Nate is Peter Krause, and then oh, is that uh, what it, yeah, so and then Dexter Michael C. Hall, Michael C. Hall is uh, well, the other brother. This so embarrassing. I don't remember his name, uh, <laughs> but anyway, the one where he gets kidnapped, and the entire episode is him and this weirdo that you know yeah. gets kidnapped. Yeah, so that was I watched it. It was the first. Uh, Six Feet Under episode I ever watched completely out of context and it's it's sort of a a, a capsule episode you know it's just because oh, okay. you, you yeah, yeah. Get, so it hooked me and I was like okay one day I'm gonna really get into the show and then when I finally did the show had been over for years um, my my girlfriend at the time current wife she bought me the box set of all five seasons and I was like yes I, I, it's happening I watched it uh, <laughs> Leftovers I watched as it happened but the, usually if it's on HBO there's a pretty good chance that I'm gonna watch it and there's a pretty good chance that I'm gonna prioritize it over other stuff so uh, I just started uh, The Young Pope okay because I saw that the new Pope had come out or is about to come out and I was like okay I need to take care of this <laughs> um, and then I, I know you you tweeted at us when we were talking about the outsider did you get around to starting the outsider nope, that's no? a, that's in the queue so probably <laughs> once i finish season one of stranger things i'm gonna go to the outsider see watchmen i did uh okay good yeah that was such a good show that was so that was a show where i was after i finished every episode i will listen to your uh episode on it i would fast forward through the mandalorian talk and then get to yeah. Watchmen. <laughs> <laughs> good idea <laughs> yeah i just i can't do i don't like spoilers i've i've become very very uh uh protective of of the element of surprise in in first watches and sometimes even uh even podcasts that don't discuss spoilers they end up kind of like ruining some things for me i was just like i just wanted to hit me as pure as, yep. as possible if i can avoid watching a commercial or a trailer even better uh i don't go as far as as you know, closing my eyes when a trailer comes on if I'm watching a movie, but I I will not go online and look up a trailer. It's like if I'm gonna Fair. if I'm gonna watch a trailer, it's gonna happen when I'm watching a movie and it comes on. But and uh, it's on the big screen and the sound system and stuff like that. I like that. Yeah, yeah. At least I'll get uh, I'll get spoiled in in a big bold way instead of just like <laughs> on my phone. Uh, but yeah, the Outsider is definitely on the queue. That's that's something that's definitely uh, coming up. I love Jason Bateman. I uh, did you watch the last season of Arrested Development? I. I believe I did. It's, that's the one where it's all very disjointed because everybody came in at different times to, to film, right? Uh, no. I mean, that was sort season of. Four? It's, season four is the one that's broken up a lot. And then season five okay. is a little bit like that, but not so much. Um, so then I don't think I watched the last season. Okay. I was going to, I mean, I'm not going to spoil anything for you if you ever get to it, but it was not, uh, it was not what I wanted from, from the, from the show. And it, I would just bring it up because I was like, I love Jason Bateman, and it breaks my heart that <laughs> that I don't love the last <laughs> season of Arrested Development uh, the way I want it. That's unfortunate. Um, uh, it has been a pleasure talking to you, Julio. Oh, this dude, it's been, been so a, much fun. A great hour. <laughs> um, why don't you go ahead and give out your your social media so that people can follow you and then go and listen to your podcast? Uh, social media. So the main one uh, should be Twitter. That's where we're the most active. Uh, we're at Contrarian Prime. Uh, I'm, I run that. Uh, Alex is Contrarian Alex. If you look at uh, Contrarian Alex's feed, it's mostly wrestling because Alex is a bit big wrestling fan. <laughs> but every now and then he'll tweet something that's relevant to the show or to movies. Uh, and I will tag him whenever I, I do a tweet that, that involves him. Uh, we're also on Facebook, facebook.com slash Contrarian Prime. Uh, I, someday I'll crack the, the, the code to making Facebook work for us. I, <laughs> I haven't, so I don't know. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's a different demographic. And I think that they – but I, I follow shows that their Facebook pages work really well. So yeah. uh, 
I yeah, I don't know. I'll, I'll figure it out someday. Uh, I'm really honestly, I think that our social media goes Twitter, then Instagram, which has become kind of maybe because it's just newer. I, I'm having a lot of fun. I have a friend that works with us on that, doing the clips. Uh, but yeah, Instagram is also Contrarian Prime, uh, and then Facebook third. If you want to just kind of, I think the problem is I don't know what I offer on Facebook that's different than what I do. You know, on Twitter I'm very interactive, right. and on Instagram it's very short and to the point. And then Facebook is like I don't know, it's Facebook. I guess if you don't have Twitter and Instagram, <laughs> but yeah. And then you know, find us we're the Contrarians on every podcatcher, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, um, anywhere really. Um, and that's pretty much it. Uh, we. We are. We try to respond to anybody that reaches out to us, unless they're super creepy. Uh, <laughs> I'm sure. Well, I mean, I love it that you know you you post out like a picture on your Twitter of every podcast that you're listening to and tag all the people. Like that's so awesome to be inclusive and create that community for us podcasters. Like that's that's amazing. I was I was very happy when I uh, when I when people reacted positively to that, because, you know, if they hadn't liked it, I probably would have stopped doing it. But it was when, it was when I started going to the gym again. And it was just kind of like, hey, I'm going to be at the gym for a long time. This is what I'm going to be listening to, which is ridiculous because I had like 10 hours worth of podcasts. Yeah. There, there was no way that I was just going to be at the gym for 10 hours. But people really liked it. And I was like, that's cool because I, you know, I feel like sometimes I feel like I don't shut out enough the, the, the shows I listen to, uh, you know, because I listen to so much more than the ones I post. It's just that I can't mm-hmm. like constantly do it. But uh, yeah, I I like it. I I like to pay it forward because the the podcasting community is at least what I've experienced. They've been so supportive, and they're everybody's having such a good time. Just you know, teaching people how to do things, uh, right. guesting on each other's shows. Like case in point. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Uh, okay, so if you want to reach me, I'm on Twitter. I'm at Mitchipedia, G-E-M. G-E-M stands for Geek Elite Media. The rest of Geek Elite Media is at Geek Elite Media on Twitter, at Geek Elite Media on Instagram, and Facebook.com forward slash Geek Elite Media is our Facebook page. If you want to know our structure, it goes Facebook, Instagram, then Twitter. We don't get a lot of interaction on Twitter for some reason. Like I'm there constantly like trying to interact with people, but people don't interact with our Twitter that much. I don't know Really? Why. Yeah. I, Most people, a lot of people I know, like they're always like, "I don't understand Twitter." I was like, "I don't understand how you don't understand Twitter." It's the easiest of the three, I think. I'm telling you, it has to be the demographic. I, I mean, I, I have no idea. We've been doing this for five years now. I have yeah. no idea what our listenership looks like. I mean, I know individuals, right? Anybody that reaches out to us, but I couldn't tell right. you that there's like a, a, a unifying thread. We're like, oh, we're mostly being listened to by like males over forty. I don't know. I couldn't tell you. <laughs> I have no idea. <laughs> yeah, but but just based on my life, like I know that older people, like my mom, doesn't know what Twitter is, but my mom can use Facebook. Right. I mean, that's obviously not enough of a of a sample to make a, a, <laughs> a, a, a fair judgment. But I I want to say, you know, there's a generation that who's that's more comfortable with Facebook and they're not comfortable with Twitter. So right. if you're if you're getting more interaction on Facebook, does that mean that your show works better for that demographic? I wouldn't think so because I've listened to your show. <laughs> yeah. You, you know, your show should be working mostly for people like me, I think, you know, like 30s to 40s. Right. I don't know. I don't know. I it, do, it doesn't make any sense to me, but we but I mean, we get most of our interactions off the memes and stuff like that. So, it, that's what, you know, Facebook has become. It's just people sharing the same pictures over and over again. Okay, so. there you go. See, maybe that's what I need. I need to do the I, I need to do some memes on our Facebook page and just see what <laughs> the There you go. This has been Hey Mitch on the Geekly Media Network saying, "Always remember to geek, geek out. out." This concludes our broadcast. Peace.